So what are the two things they tell you never to talk about at parties? Uh, religion and politics, right? Um, well, my wife and I have sort of made a household life of talking about both on a regular basis, and we think both are very, very important to culture. We had a re recent uh, opportunity to sit down with a church from Wichita, Kansas, via Zoom, of course, and to talk about those two very issues and how the two interrelate, connect, impact each other from our household perspective. And we had a really fun time doing it, and that's going to be our podcast today. So I hope you enjoy it. I call it religion and politics. And before we jump into that, I want to ask you to think, consider a couple of things. Um, one is get on my insider newsletter. Go to the website, npepodcast.com, and sign up for the insider newsletter. It has my schedule. I'm doing some Bible studies with our TikTok crowd now. And um, so I would love for you to sign up for that newsletter. And many of you have asked how you can help. So I'm going to tell you about our Patreon page in the middle of this podcast. But just by simply going to TikTok, if you have a TikTok page or YouTube and subscribing and following, listening, commenting, writing a review of my book on Amazon, all of these things are things that can help so very much. And uh, for when I'm recording this on December 15th, um, I'm closing in on 25,000 followers on TikTok and I want to get there. So do this if you have a TikTok account or if you don't go get one, check out my stuff and follow me on TikTok and help me get to 25,000 followers. Right after election day, I was at six followers on TikTok. So it's exciting to be at 25,000. And uh, do I love that because I want to be famous? I have an ego, I'm not going to lie, but mostly I just want to spread the message that God is not mad at you and he doesn't re require you to be a conservative Republican. And I want to spread that message to as many people as possible. So if you can follow my TikTok page, subscribe to my YouTube channel, like, comment, share, any way you can help get the word out there and tell those algorithms that this matters, the nonpartisan evangelical and old Pastor Paul on TikTok and get it out there. So remember, go to my website, nppodcast.com, sign up on the Insider's Newsletter so you know everything that's coming, and go to my TikTok page, Old Pastor Paul, and YouTube channel, The Nonpartisan Evangelical. Follow and subscribe, and I'll be your best friend. All right, now to my wife Ashley and me talking with Pastor Robert Johnson and the crew on Wichita Ignite at nppodcast.com. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. You have Pastor Paul Swearingen, Paul wave at everybody. So those that were not on the other broadcast, 
they will know who you are. And then Pastor Paul's wife, Ashley, who's on with us tonight, who's former mayor of the city of Fresno, and she was sharing her story and journey. Uh, she was and telling us how she got God in order. Okay. Come <laughs> on. That's where we pause that. Let's go. That, that right there. I, I was yeah. echy stuff and missed part of that. But Ashley, pick up right where you were. I was just saying, I after working in the economic development field for many years and just being frustrated that that all of these good people who are volunteers and other civic actors in our community were working hard together and then they would like bring their heart's desires and their well thought out plans to the steps of City Hall and they would lay them out and be like, oh gosh, won't you come in alignment? Won't you help make these dreams happen? And it was just a big goose egg with, with city officials at the time. And I was so frustrated, especially as I was not only doing that kind of community work, but also Paul and I had been praying at that time over the city of Fresno, gosh, for 14, 15 years. And just so, as you guys know, the more praying is all about just really aligning your heart to God. And so while sometimes it feels like petitioning and you think things are your idea that really aren't your idea, it's really just like for, for 14 years, we had been just laying ourselves before God saying, we believe in you, God. We believe you care about whole people groups, whole cities. And this city is top of the list of all the worst things. If you show up, that will change. And this city changing will be evidence of the fact that, that you're here. So come. And when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And so I was frustrated because I wasn't seeing that in working with city officials at that time. And so I was praying one night, it was in November, remember that. And I was telling God, I am so tired of you giving me a burden for this place. And then I have no authority to do anything about anything that you put this on my heart. And I have no tools to do this. And so that was my trying to get God in line. And in my heart, I just felt like the Lord kind of the faith rose up in me, as if the Lord was saying, ask me for authority, because authority comes from me. Yeah. And, and you know how you're just like, all these things, these thoughts are happening very quickly in your mind. And so it's not, it wasn't like a pause and I speak and then pause and God, it's just like the like bleh, feeling. And I felt like the Lord said, ask me for authority. And so then I just said, all right, I want to be mayor of the city. And I had in my heart, I just wow. knew that happened. And I had never, ever in my entire life considered or reached for, or even thought about being an elected office it took me aback, like it came from my own heart. And then like my rational self went, whoa, what was that? Who said that? Where did that come from? And I remember just thinking, God, if this is something you're putting on my heart to do, then I need you to confirm this direction for my life. And I did a little fleece before God. I said, okay, I, I need to hear from our current mayor who, despite my objections to city council and other city officials, this man was doing the best that he could and definitely was taking, just loved God, still does. And I saw him as a, a righteous person. And I just said, God, that's a righteous king. And he needs to be a part of figuring out who's going to succeed him. So I need him to say that this, that, that I should run for this office, having never run for anything before. And, in, and I didn't know the mayor at the time. And uh, long story, just a little bit longer, two weeks later, through some bizarre circumstances, I'm not kidding you, that man asked me to run to take his job when he turned wow. out. Like, it was like that. Wow. And I just was, it was crazy. So that was in 2005, the end of 2005. And for me, that was just like, okay, this is real, but I don't necessarily know that is a now word. I don't like, it just was like, all right, I'm taking this seriously, but God, all of these things, like, I don't, that I have to resolve. And just one by one, the Lord very quickly 
gave me grace for to, to move in faith when I needed to, gave me confidence in other moments, and then ultimately found myself in the race announced in November of 2007 and was elected the next year. Went through a primary and then a runoff in um, November of 2008. And let me, can I jump in here real quick? Just yes, you know, Part of this story for us was we were praying for revival in our city. And us growing up in evangelical, somewhat charismatic circles, mine a little more charismatic than hers, perhaps, but we believed revival in our city meant that we were going to have worship services seven nights a week for an elongated period of time, and that would change the city. And so we were praying for that. And it just seems like through kind of these things with Ashley and the things we, God began to show us like revival isn't necessarily that. Revival could be racial equality coming into your city. Revival could be economic opportunity to be given to the poor. That poverty being destroyed in your city, maybe you don't have to pass a law to ban abortion. Poverty being destroyed will start to take care of that problem. And so we started seeing revival that God was calling for in our city, not being inside church buildings with worship music, but being our city transformed. And so that changing in our heart through our prayer time begin to change our perspective of the city. And I think ultimately led to what I did to plan a church and Ashley to run for office. But it was that seed change in our heart that changed everything for us. Paul and, and Ashley, I, I just got to tell you, and you all see my response, my reaction. And I know Kyron feels the same because that is the kind of faith experience that Kyron and I talk about. Like, why is it that we don't see more people why does so much of why does so much of the church seem to be in be so in relentless about separating prayer from social justice or hearing from God from how we respond to abortion? Like why do like if you can't get those different segments of the church to talk to each other? And so for you all to talk about that. And not because you're in theology school, not because you're in a certain conversations, but simply because you are praying and trying to align your hearts with God's hearts, that, that, that you were able to grasp that. But then the second part of that is then having the courage to begin to speak it and live it. Paul, I got to tell you, I posted something last night on, on Facebook, just, to, just a challenge to the white evangelical church, just basically saying, okay, a lot of you guys were out there doing, giving some prophetic words that didn't come true. Are you going to apologize for that you got it and 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 admit that you were wrong? And I was like, so are you just going to be wrong and arrogant? And I had two good two friends of mine who came on and basically pushed back against that and said, "Hey, I'm not in the Trump camp." And my thing was then, but then you for four years you have been totally silent. This mm. isn't the first time I've posted about this stuff. I've posted about this stuff every day, and not once did you come on and say, "Hey, I'm a white evangelical who's not in that camp." I'm for, I believe in new birth. I believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe in prayer, but I also believe in being in loving people who are not like me. Why didn't you come on and say that until now? And so just, I just, I'm so excited. I, I'm so thankful for the two of you. And I'm so thankful for the story you just told from, even from the point, Ashley, and I put the quote up, prayer is aligning your heart with God's heart. And then what comes out of that? See, that's, so when I align my heart with God's heart, what comes out of that? 
And what came out of you guys is absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Kyle, um, you want to jump in? Yeah, I was uh, number one. Whoop, whoop to Ashley, Arkansas in the house. What's up? Um, <laughs> Where are you from, Tyron? Southwest. So okay. uh, a little town called Camden. So near Hope, Texarkana, down there. Yeah. So it was like, oh, an Arkansan, yay. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to claim you. We're going to claim Arkansas tonight, rep it. Number two, though, uh, something that she said that really, it was like, yeah, that's what I've, that's the vein I've been stuck in. But I love the way that she stopped to talk to the way she stopped to talk about the city. And when you think about it and extrapolate it, it's a really cool thing to think about is that one of the things I've said here earlier is that I think, especially for millennials, young adults, there is a shift from the traditional Americana individualistic approach to faith and being right versus this more this idea of collective collectivism. And so and what she was talking about is really at the heart of that. So when we talk about cities, whatever, being more democratic or the way people pull together, it's a different thing. People who are, I'm from South Arkansas. I'm used to like, you make it happen yourself. You've got to do it. So we approach our faith that that same way. So it's this personal responsibility. What I'm hopeful about when I look out, I see young people beginning to change and we're moving away from this consumeristic Christ identity, this individual about me identity. And I think that's where that tension is happening now. And when you have leaders that begin to pray, just as she said, I always say, belief is a marriage between attitude and action. Belief isn't just attitude. It isn't just action, but it's this holy marriage of the two. And so now when we get our leaders to thinking the same thing that I'm saying about the church, I don't want to just go in and preach and preach to people on Sunday. I want to preach to you on first Sunday on, ger on generosity. Second Sunday, we're at the food bank. Third Sunday, we're in the we're in the community working, and then we recap at the end of the month, and we continue to move through providing the services that people need because we're trying to make this love that we have this tangible thing. And so that's exactly what she's talking about: is that how do we get people to move out of the bubble of self and into that collective idea of what it means to be a city? And watch this: why don't people stop calling their city cities? Why don't you call your city what it really is—a church? Wow. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Now that's a whole word, wow. a whole mouthful. <laughs> yes. Paul, you want to respond to that? So, so Kyron, Paul is, y'all are, you, Ashley and, and Paul, are y'all, you, you, you don't know this, but y'all are, God's moving y'all's hearts in the, like in the same direction. Like we've, let's stop defining ourselves in these limited ways and let's just hear from God. Thank you, Linda Sims. Hey, Linda Sims, thank you for coming on. Linda, start a watch party, invite some other folks. This is going to be so good, Linda, and you're going to enjoy this. Paul, you want to respond to Kyron, how, what Kyron just described there? Man, there's so many ways I could go from that. That was, that was so good. But I, I, one of the things that's driving me crazy about this COVID deal is I, I was a senior pastor of a church for 10 years, Pastor Johnson, and every time I got together with church leaders, we had the same question. How do we get the people out of the church? And, and so now in California, Governor Newsom is doing it for us. He is forcing <laughs> us to get people out of the church, and we're screaming and crying and moaning about it and fighting to get back in. And, and I, I just think the opportunity of the season, and I understand that there are things that are important of us coming together. Community matters. But I just think it's the opportunity of a season, like Kyron is saying, to say, how do we 
take what we're inspiring ourselves as we're coming together, come together and stir each other toward good works, it says in Hebrews. And I studied that verse once and it says, actually irritate each other like a sand irritates an oyster to create a pearl. Our job is to irritate one another to good works and love. And so why are we not finding COVID time, the perfect opportunity to say, now that we can't get together in buildings, let's go change the city. Let's go change the big church, uh, the big C church of our community. And I love that. And so Ashley maybe could tell the story a little bit. We found out that our city is as racially segregated as just about any city in the country. Mm -hmm. And, And that registered with us. And she may want to tell more of that story. But what I hear from Christians on a regular basis is, no, Paul, we're supposed to win souls to heaven. Why do we care about that? And one of, one of my favorite guys is a, is a pastor named Tony Campolo, if you guys know Tony Campolo. And if I told this story last week, stop me. But he, no, he has, please, please share. So he starts every sermon that he teaches or did for years with, he said, I want to tell you three things. Last night, 30,000 children in America went to bed hungry. Number two, last night, 30,000 kids in America went to bed hungry and none of you give up. And then he used the, the big S word that I'll hold off on using here. And he said, number three, more of you now are concerned that I just said that word than are concerned about the fact that 30,000 children in America went to bed hungry last night or whatever, and probably a bigger number than that. This S word stuff has to matter to us. It matters to God. Our job is not just to get people to heaven, but to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm absolutely convinced of it. So Kyron, I'm with you. How do we build a better church for the next generation? And I'm going to hit that shift there because I'm always like, listen, it's about how do we bring heaven to earth? I tell people that all the time. I'm not worried about going to heaven. I'm definitely going. I'm more concerned bringing heaven to earth. And, And part of it too, I think is that the beginning to, as leaders come forward, I think really challenging culture and really breaking down some of those particular dynamics. Like even when we think biblically, I was having a conversation earlier this week and I said, the Bible, the language and the culture, all that stuff reflects in the word and we lose things sometimes. One thing that Jesus reminds us of is that when it comes to the kingdom, he refers to us as sons, daughters, brothers, sisters. He also tells us if if one will not, in very dramatic language, one of the translations, he said, if you won't hate your father and your mother, which means to love them less, right? But if you won't love them less, and you'll love me, then he begins to talk about how that is a challenge or an issue. So again, when I challenge people with that, I say that if I'm your brother and sister in Christ, doesn't that mean that you have a responsibility not to just vote and do things that are convenient for you, but you have to make those decisions with me in mind? Because by the word, as a Christian brother and sister, our relationship exceeds other relationships, right? So if you love me, then in that particular manner, then we have to also reshape the way that we look at community. And and that's why I'm getting back to this thing where I'm challenging people. That's not just your city. It is your church. That is your church. And then Jesus, by the way, you know, said two commandments, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, then defined your neighbor as that person who you don't think deserves God's love. That how you love the person that you don't think deserves God's love is the definition of how much you obey the first commandment to love God. Wow. Amen. Paul, Paul, say that one more time, and then I want to put that up. And then when, when you re-give that quote, 
then I'd like to for to bring Ashley back and ask her to share the story about how Fresno was one of the most seg racially segregated cities and what God said to you all in the midst of that. So, Paul, you said that uh, how we love the person that we think least deserves God's love is a reflection of how serious we take the commandment to love. Right. Did two, I get that right? Yeah, two commandments, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and then he defined the neighbor as your enemy or that person who you think is least deserving of God's love. So how we love the person we least believe deserves God's love is a definition of how we obey the first commandment to love God. All right. Ashley, you want to jump in? Well, oh, there are just so many things that are going through my mind. The, the, the data point that Paul is referencing, I wish I could say that this, that was the before and it's different now. That's actually been illuminated in the last couple of years. Okay. So I'm in my, gosh, my like 22nd year of doing community and economic development in the greater Fresno region. And Fresno is the fifth largest city in California. Uh, about 550,000 people live here. So it's a large place, 27th largest in the U.S. The economy is historically bad for everybody. It's the largest ag-based economy in the U.S. And it's a commodity-based economy. And the returns are, you know, one-tenth of one percent of one penny. And there's this starvation and poverty mindset that just pervades everything. And so living in that place and like taking all that in, all you can think about, oh, my God, we have to fundamentally change everything. But what was illuminated in April of 2018, the Urban Institute published research on every major city in America. So defined as cities that are 100,000 and people are greater. And they looked at economic growth in those cities over about a 30 to 40 year period, I don't recall. Um, so long term study. And then they looked at racial inclusion in those cities and then they ranked them all. There were 272, if I remember correctly, in the U.S. cities that are over 100,000. 59 of them are in California. So wow. of that overall economic growth rating over that long period of time, Fresno ranked 55th out of 59th for overall economic growth, which is the Ashley Swearingen working hard for 20 years, still being frustrated. We're not growing. It's not working and hammering away at that. But what got illuminated was an even deeper and more powerful um, sucker punch of a statistic, which is the racial inclusion in that really bad economy is worth here 59 out of 59 and 263rd out of 272 in the whole U.S. So that was the like, oh, my God, like how in this is one of those moments where the, a white person who is was born in 72 to white evangelical parents in the in the northwest of Arkansas, now looking back on it in a totally segregated city in the 80s, whose family never, ever once talked about race, not once, except for a little murmur about my dad losing his job at a church he was at when he was, I was a little tiny kid, his first church out of seminary because he invited black people to come to church. And he was okay with the black kids using the basketball court at the church. And he lost his job over that. But they never even, I only heard about that in more recent years. But otherwise, it was like, it definitely, I grew up in the race blind world, which I now know is, is so fundamentally ignorant and arrogant at the same time. 
But anyway, like Ash, Ash, why don't you? And I was talking about the Katrina study from years before, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that because here in Fresno, one of the things is your race somewhat determines your geography, and your geography determines a whole lot of things about your life. So I don't know if you want to add in some of that, Ashley. Yeah. So the Urban Institute research is talking about the overall economy and, hey, it's bad for everybody, but if you're a person of color, it's going to be worse here for you than anywhere else. But Brookings Institution produced research in 2005, right around, right after Katrina, that looked at the geospatial aspects of color in every community and determined that Fresno had the highest concentration of poverty and the most racial segregation. So anyway, living and working now here, like, tying it back to the role of the church and all of this. Okay. On a parallel path, this is a city that has embraced evangelical Christianity for so many decades, public leaders, public safety officials, elected, appointed, mayors, county board supervisors, etc. So much pride in the fact they were all Christians and they were all mostly white Christians and they were all like in church on Sunday Bible believing, and I know, like, with all their hearts, love God. And yet, the brand of Christianity that has been, you know, enacted and celebrated has just literally been in this bubble of, okay, so everything else must be okay. And we pray for the city, we pray for the city. And I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking with this point. So much prayer, Fresno is known among a lot of evangelical Christian circles nationally as a city that prays because. There's a lot of unity in the small white or, or the white evangelical church. Pray for the city. Okay, here's the thing. You cannot be saying that you're praying for the city and then hear things in 2005, like you have the highest concentration of poverty. And then in 2018, and the greatest racial exclusion in the state and nation and not fall on your face and say to God, I will do anything. This is not your heart for this place. Whatever I need to give up, whatever sacrifice I need to make, this has to stop. So why hasn't that happened? What I've experienced, and this is probably one of the most profound things that God has just impressed on my heart over the last couple of years is you cannot pray for something for so long. And then when the results start showing up, when the people who are carrying the very heart you're praying for are black and brown advocates in the street, peacefully protesting, you cannot turn a blind eye to that. You Mm -hmm. have like... People in Fresno who are calling for change and coming together and to me representing the heart of God for this place are people who are not acceptable to the white evangelical church. Uh, it goes back to Jesus saying, you, you don't know the time you're in. Why can't you see this? So even if, and I'm telling you, wow. having been on the receiving end of plenty of criticism and a lot of it deserve, deserved criticism from racial advocates who have come at me as an institutional leader and said, you are not dealing with the heart of the matter. You're not dealing with structural racism. For me not to be able to say, whoa, I can hear you. I hear you. And I, I like, even if you're packaged in a political party that's not mine, even if you're packaged in, in skin that is different from mine, even if your words are shaming, even if your words maybe don't reflect, oh, God, perfect, you know, people message, that none of that matters. What I yeah. have to be able to hear, if I'm saying that I'm standing and believing God for transformation in my cities, I have to hear that cry. I don't care who says it, I have to hear it. And I have to align my heart to theirs. And then ultimately, I am called to make sacrifice. What Jesus calls the greatest joy is laying yeah. down your life. 
So to me, that is transformation and renewal and all of the things that the church has said it's praying for 30, 40 years, and yet here it's happening, but it's not the no. brand they accept. And so it's illegitimate or not seen. And, the, and we're, we're wanting to see this revival of our city changed. And the people that are out there doing it are not Christians. So we start pursuing these people who openly say, oh, we're not Christians, because they're the ones that are going after what we see God's heart going for. And while the rest of, of this very Christian city are saying, no, who cares about that? Let's just win souls. And I love that. I know that's, I know that's a good passion. But I think they're missing. So like Jeremiah 5, it says, hey, my people have grown fat and sleek and they don't fight for the cause for the fatherless and they don't fight for justice. And shall I not avenge myself against these people? And and that's the message that comes again and again. And I just haven't found the place where God is saying, I will avenge myself against you if you're not passing laws to enforce biblical principles. I, I keep seeing him say again and again, if you don't care about the least in your city, that's when I get out of my throne. I, my dad used to say, if I get up from this chair, and I feel like that's what God is saying to the church right now, if I get up from this throne, it's not going to be pleasant for you because I'm going to have to do something to get your attention. And when he gets out of his throne is when we're not caring for the poor, the widow, the foreigner, and the marginalized. And, and I just don't know how we missed that in the Bible, but we saw non-Christian people going after it. And we said, okay, we're with you. We're going with you. I hope you're enjoying this conversation Ashley and I got to have with the folks from St. Mark's UMC Church in Wichita, Kansas, talking religion and politics. So I want to tell you about a couple of scheduling things. Uh, I've been on TikTok talking with some of the crew on there and some people said, hey, why don't we have a weekly chat about the Bible? So I said, okay, let's do that. So 9 a.m. Pacific every Saturday morning, we do Pastor Paul's Bible chat. And I usually just take a subject out of the Bible and talk about it for about 20 minutes. And then we usually give another 20, 25 minutes or so of people being able to ask questions. And you can follow that on TikTok Live. So to do that, you'll have to have a TikTok account and follow my account, Old Pastor Paul. Or you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Nonpartisan Evangelical, and it will go live on there as well. And then it will be recorded and preserved on YouTube. So that's Old Pastor Paul on TikTok and the Nonpartisan Evangelical channel on YouTube. And you can see the nine o'clock Pacific Bible chat with Pastor Paul. And you can do it live on either of those platforms as well. I hope you'll join. And if you want to help us out a little bit financially and, and get some cool stuff in return, we have a Patreon page. If you go to the Nonpartisan Evangelical website, nppodcast.com, click that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner. It'll give you an opportunity to join the, join the, the community at $5.99 a month. Or you can go a little bit higher and get some other cool stuff. It would just really help. I would love to get 300 subscribers at $5.99 a month. And it would help out so much in keeping the nonpartisan evangelical on the road. So remember, nppodcast.com. Click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner. And you will really help us spread the message that God is not mad at you. And he doesn't require you to be a conservative Republican. All right. That's my commercial here. 
Now back to Pastor Robert Johnson talking with my wife Ashley and me on Wichita Ignite on NPEPodcast.com. It is so, one of the things I've learned about God in my journey of faith is that just when I, every time, whenever I think that things are just absolutely dark, when I think things are just like, that I've learned to begin to look for God to start showing up in amazing ways. And, and he, he, God never fails. It's always, so what, so basically what happened is that God hasn't changed. It's, it's that I've so, I'm so determined to look for God in, in one way, mm-hmm. but God comes as God wants to come. And God always catches us by surprise. That's why our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our ways are not God's ways. And God is always transforming us. But I got to tell you again, I just, I just can't say it enough that Paul and Ashley, you all are a, along with Kyron and way he's thinking creatively about the church, that as I'm looking for hope, I'm just beaming. I'm just so full of hope tonight and just so excited. And just the things you're saying here in, in Wichita, in the city of Wichita, there's a huge prayer movement. But as the prayer movement has grown, a guy, Ed O'Malley, who's head of the leader, uh, the Kansas Leadership Center. Is that, am I calling it correctly, Yolanda? When I had a chance to meet with him, it's a uh, conservatory where they do leadership development. When I first moved here, he met with me just to want to know me as coming in as a pastor of one of the larger churches. And I, so I asked him, how can I help you? And he said that one of his major concerns was that Wichita is one of the most racially segregated cities in America. And he wanted to know how could he make an impact on that and change that because it's not supposed to be that way. So how can we be praying more, but becoming let more and more segregated? How can we're praying more, but poverty is growing, that there's something going on there. And so Ashley, you just call it that at some point we have to connect our prayers with the things that God wants and with and ask with, him for authority. Yeah, jump in, Pastor Yolanda, please he go. Said, ask him for authority is what <laughs> he said. And we keep operating in our own strength. And then we get tired and we're exhausted and we give up and we're like, How long, Lord? I've been asking you. But I didn't ask you to bless what it is that you're doing. I just want to pause for just a second and speak about you guys parallel each other's passion. I can only imagine what the energy is in your home. Jennifer Lopez called it the goosies on the back of my neck, just watching the passion. You you guys trip over each other all of the time in your works because you come from one perspective, the logical and the business atmosphere. But the way, Paul, that you can just bring it in and toss that word right in there every step of the way. It is such an awesome balance to watch between the two of you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Yes, that is that is it is so beautiful to watch that and to see. And because I don't want to I'm also disillusioned with the social activist folks. I'm disillusioned with that group, too, because I'm like. There's so much anger and there's so much effort with so little productivity and there's so uh, there's this inability to be able to communicate across the aisle. So just as I'm disillusioned with America, I'm disillusioned with the church, I'm disillusioned with white evangelicals, I'm disillusioned with social activists. 
And I don't want to be liberal. I don't want to be conservative. I don't want to be Republican or Democrat yeah. because I ref- I believe that God has an answer. And so I, I don't want to represent the voice of any of that other stuff. I want to represent the voice of God. But it comes by, and I just want to go back to what Ashley said, by aligning our hearts with God, wanting what God wants. God, what do you want? But then expecting something big, right, Yolanda? Because she said she she prayed, she wanted to align our heart with God's heart. And we always ask for those puny things. But we believe God, forget what we ask for. We believe that God is going to show up in a small way in what we can imagine. And I think that's on your whiteboard in your office, Pastor Johnson. I believe it's been on there for a while. Pray for something big. Stop underestimating God with our measly thoughts and prayers because he says, for I have a plan for you. Right. right. That was placed within you before you were ever in this world before you were ever in your mother's womb, but we get caught up on what we believe is our purpose. And just from a personal perspective, if God allowed me to do things my way, I'd have nothing to do with the church. You know, but my life isn't my own. And for as long mm-hmm. as I ran away from what my calling was and wanting to do it my way, I wanted to be the next Oprah y'all. <laughs> I wanted Oprah's life. I wanted Oprah's money, but that's not what I, that's not the plan that he had for me. And right. walking that path was a path of pain that I wasn't really ready to to deal with. I wanted to be safe. I wanted to be comfortable, and I was operating with no courage. Those are my mm. two words for the mm. last few weeks being comfortable and courage. And as people of believers, and for you to say it's the non-Christian folk that's walking and doing, Kyron, not just Mm -hmm. talking about it, but actually out here getting and serving. There are so many children that we can be utilizing that have absolutely nothing to do because school is not working right now, just keeping it real, that we can show them how to be the hands and feet of Christ. But we're so caught up in doing things in this traditional way. And people are mad that, look, you're not giving me Bible study where we're sitting and we're talking about chapter and verse. Let's just discuss this particular scripture. A conversation is not Bible study. I need more. I need something that gives me that old I'm sitting in the front pew of the church house. And it's just not working anymore. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, Paul, just and Karen, get ready to jump in. I just wanted to just, I didn't want to miss Philip's comment. Philip Oliver, that's Pastor Yolanda's husband. She said, (laughs) he says, and I'm not Stedman. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Lord help. Douglas, professor of music at Carnegie Mellon. You all, if you all saw the play, oh my God, Yolanda, Kyron helped me. Hamilton, uh, Hamilton the young man who, who was the star of that play, Odom. Leslie Odom Jr. Odom. Thomas Douglas was his mentor and teacher at Carnegie Mellon, and they've done, they traveled during the summer together. So he, while he's, he comes to St. Mark to di- direct the Wichita Orchestra when during the summertime. And when he's here, he come, he's a considered he's a member of St. Mark, and so he's watching. Uh, by the way, we're praying for him. Uh, 
He got a diagnosis on something very severe, but, but Thomas, we love you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Linda Sims, for tuning in. Philip, Felicia, all of you guys. Brad Smith, your comments are so encouraging. You, yes. you we're giving you hope. You're giving us hope, brother. Thank you for tuning in. Kyron, go. Yeah, I just, in, in, in listening, I passed Yolanda circle back to what was like turning over in my brain. Again, like but when I hear belief, when I hear things like pray, again, like the basic teaching that these are two facts, that these words that we throw around the church have all this underlying depth and meaning to them. I tell people all the time, you're not praying, you're wishing. Okay. If, if you're praying and you're never doing anything, you are wishing. Jesus, God is not an app. You don't get to put a prayer request in and then Apple solves it down the road. Like you, you actually have to go and do it. And here's the other challenge. And one of the things that I've been trying to think through because of the way that we even set church up now, the way that we approach it, unfortunately, pastors find themselves having to be pragmatic and not prophetic because you're going to you're going to affect how this church. Is. And that's just the fundamental setup of a church. But now watch this. We have people who we say are unchurched or unsaved. And a lot of these people don't know God is God, but some of them know him better than some of us has been in the church a long time. What I have found about them, this group of people, when they are called to something, they're called to it. But the amazing thing is, if you really want to lead those people, you don't need a building. You need presence and you need consistency. And so a pastor I was talking to, he said, Karen, this idea you have for church is crazy. I said, you have a web camera and the internet. Tell people you're going to be at a place at a certain time, talk to them for 15 minutes, and then you all clean up the trash. That's it. <laughs> I, I said, I don't need a building. And I said, now if people decide they want to give us, I've got a full-time job. I'm, I'm lucky to have that right now. And so if you can do this, there are ways to model this out. And the other way I challenge that pastor, and this is a tough one. Any other time, if you were, you know, raising the building for you, I would just say how to provide. So <laughs> that's a hard one. That's a hard one. But I'm like, that's a scripture you would throw back at me. So I'm just throwing it back at you. you know, I'm throwing it back at you now. We have to do these things in wisdom. But my point is this. If you really want to reach people, it does not take a building with a steeple on it. If you really want to reach people, it does pastors, it doesn't take you coming up with a fresh sermon every Sunday. It does not take you sitting in Bible study on Wednesday, prayer meeting on Monday, because in all those times, if you're not taking action, you're really just wasting time. Mm -hmm. If you the thing is to come together, hear instruction, and then go live on it. If that's not what we're doing, think about that. And then if you are in a in an opportunity where you have a huge sanctuary and all these auxiliary ministries, like what are you really accomplishing? If you all weren't paying for that building, could you actually maybe buy two cars for people that needed cars? Could you actually start a community garden so that you could feed people in your city? Could you actually maybe go buy an old hotel so that you can now create boarding for places and then provide jobs for more people? So service-based church. In the IT world, there's something called SaaS, software as a service, right? And I'm saying SaaS, the church, the spirit as a service. Crazy concept, huh? Right? Love it. We by the, by the way, Kyron, by the way, with that church, you don't have to have an outreach program. You, you don't have to have evangelism classes because Acts chapter two tells us when you do those things, God will add to your number daily. Add to the number daily. Every day, because people are going to look and say, I want to be a part of that. 
And particularly, I believe millennials are saying, I will be a part of that. I am not going to go to your church. I'm not going to pay my tithe to your church, but I'll be a part of that. And if it's Starbucks or Tom's Shoes, that's doing the justice. We'll go there. And, And so the church needs to do that. Well, listen, 100%. And then that's my other job. I work in corporate. I've worked in culture. And all these companies I was talking to, everybody goes, how do we build a culture that millennials want to come to? And so everybody started attaching to projects, Project Habitat for Humanity, and all this different stuff. And people come in, they do their work. They're like, yeah, I'm going to crunch these numbers, but next week we're building a house. So that's what I'm waiting to do. And I'm like, really? That's... <laughs> So you're right. It's just there's a lot of opportunities. And if anybody's listening, I am not. I love the church. I was raised in the church. I love going 100 percent. I'm not saying we have to abandon that tradition, but I'm saying there's a lot of room for us to do things differently and reach and make the change that we really need to make. Yeah, there it is. Not either or. It can be both. And and Isaiah 43. And this is the hope I think you're talking about, Pastor Johnson, is when you're in times of shaking and overturn of culture, I believe it's because God is trying to get our attention to something new. And Isaiah 43 says, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Jesus said the problem with the Pharisees is their staunchness has caused them not to have eyes to see or ears to hear. They can look at the sky and know the weather, but they don't know the signs of the times. And I think what people like Kyron and and Santia, who we talked to last week, they're telling us like, don't you guys see where God is going? Let's go there. And us older folks are like, nah, we want to sit in our really comfortable chair. And maybe if we just buy some smoke machines and big screens for the church, the young people will come and the, the pastor will wear skinny jeans. I don't know if you wear skinny jeans, Robert, but but maybe that'll get the young people to come. But the young people are telling us, don't you perceive where God is going in the season? <laughs> no, Yolanda. Look at me. Look at me. Flat on the play. Yeah. I- I'm the speak up for first lady. Don't show up in skinny jeans, Pastor Johnson. I'm not gonna show okay. up in skinny oh. jeans. Everybody can oh. wear skinny oh. jeans. I do. I do want to highlight a comment from our, our Ashley and Paul and Kyron. That lady right there, Vicky Dean Hunt, is the head head of our finance team, and. Uh, She's in my generation and I'm just so proud of her. She's watching tonight and she's rejoicing over what she's hearing because I'm praying this for St. Mark and for the people of St. Mark that we'll hear God's voice. But I want to, because I want to give, I want every person who's watching tonight to know that what you're hearing Pastor Paul and Ashley and Kyron and Yolanda talk about that God will do that in every person's heart if we will make ourselves available. And so I want to go, and that's a, it's a simple step. Ashley said that she was praying to align her heart with God's heart. And she listened and God said, and see, this is not my ideas because I'm going to think of something that's small enough that I know it's small, but other people are going to be impressed with it. So when I do it, they'll they'll be impressed with me, even though I knew that I could could pull it off all along. But when when God's going to give us something that seems too big and just too uh, that we're going to say that can't be. And, but, and God says, but if you keep listening, I'll prove to you that was my voice. It's going to be something that's big. That's going to impact the lives of other people. So prayer, it begins with prayer. Pastor Yolanda, I don't know if you can put that in the comments. 
it begins with prayer, which is aligning our hearts with God's heart and then listening for that big idea. And we'll know if it's big because it'll be something so big that we'll know the only way it can happen is by God's grace and God's power and God's She never run for office before. She never thought about running for office before. Never run for office before, yeah. (laughs) And I think a a real key to what Ashley said, and I don't mean to- to, to No, go, no, no, go, go. Sometimes, okay, I'm going to say something outrageous here, but sometimes prayer is just witchcraft. It's it's okay. I'm going to say the right incantation yes. and God's going to do what I need him to do. And if that's what you're praying for, you're not praying to the God. You're praying to a God. You're, that is an idol that you're praying to. And what I really want people to hear Ashley said, and I've seen her do this, is sometimes when you're praying, God says, what if the answer isn't the answer you want? What if it doesn't look anything like the answer you're praying for? Are you still willing to follow me? Yeah, that's that's courage. There's courage. So you have to pray with a heart that says, God, your will, but not my will, and really mean it. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you. Yeah. Just on that point, like I have seen my quote enemies. All right. So this is, I'm being overly dramatic and using that word. I've certainly never been on a actual battlefield. And this is all just political drama. So anyway, but I'll use the word enemy. I have seen my political opponents blessed. And I have been upset with God. And he has challenged me and said, who are you to tell me who I'm going to bless or not? And if your prayer canopy covers a city, are you not going to see different pockets of this in ways that, you know, you, that you don't have any, you know, you don't like, what, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do then? And I just have to, I'm being honest. It's not easy. There are times when I'm just like, but God, I wanted that win. I wanted that resource. I, I saw it unfolding in a different way. And, but he just, it, you know what? He just brings me back to surrender. And it keeps my heart soft. Like when I can just let go of the result has to look like this and tying it back to, you know, what we've seen played out over the last five years with national politics. Every time I hear these high profile white prophets or whatever, praying like God's coming, he's doing this in the nation. Da, da, I almost African all angels. the time. Yeah. Afri- I'm like, African angels. Listen, I got to tell you, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all that, that Africa would be the continent that would send the, na- the angels that our nation needs. I, so many times I'm like, I totally can agree with that prayer. I just don't agree with the fact that you think the only answer to that prayer is manifest in this way. And I just, I, I've just learned that on too many occasions that, man, I got to pour in through prayer. God aligns my heart to his. And then I get to say, however you bring this about, it's up to you. If I have nothing to do with the success and I get pinned with failures that are needed along the way, so be it. So it's just co- like constant surrender that um, really is, I think, what, the, what what brings about the kingdom. Amen. So, Pastor Johnson, just for your tradition. Tanti is one of our young adults there. She's saying that's such a good conversation. And she just is appreciating that you just explain how to people, t- church will tell you what to do, but they don't tell you how to do it and what it looks like. Uh, so thank you for that. And then Brad Smith says, surrender is one of the most powerful words. And that's what you're describing is surrender. 
is aligning, which means mm-hmm. surrender. God's going to keep throwing, catching us by surprise. He, God's so wonderful. What God always does with me is that he challenges, like I'll pray about something and he'll, God will show up and he'll address the person or the situation, but he always addresses me too. <laughs> so it's, yeah, like some stuff needs to change. And so I'm like celebrating yeah. changing everybody else. But then, yeah. it's, but I'm like, God, I didn't mean you like me. I'm the good guy here. So God <laughs> comes in and he catches everybody off guard and he works on all of us. And, but it's so beautiful because Ashley doesn't, I talk that sometimes in theology, Yolanda, and Doc, she talks it in story, in personal experience. And it is so powerful, Ashley. Ashley, by the way, that's my wife, Linda. She's been commenting. That's her comment there. She's enjoying the night. And uh, she also said that Pastor Yolanda, I didn't get to put that up. Thank you, Pastor Yolanda. That was a skinny jean comment. Because so I can good. see it, Kyron, a, dash, a dashiki and some skinny jeans. No, I wouldn't try. I, let me, here's why I wouldn't do it, Paul. Here's the, Because I would be so afraid that Kyron is going to turn on the broadcast to watch Sunday morning. And he's going to look and he's going to say, no, Robert, no, Robert, <laughs> Robert, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Vicky. Yes, sis. Yes, sis. We're going. We're going to align our hearts, Vicky. We're going to align our hearts with God's mm-hmm. heart and see what God says, and then and then surrender and see the and watch God do amazing things in our midst. It is eight at eight ten. We're going to stop at eight fifteen. Is it so eight ten? It is eight ten already. This time is has flown by. Daylight. So I want to say to the audience, I want if you have a prayer request, if you like for Pastor Paul or Ashley or Kyron or Pastor Yolanda to pray for you tonight, if you just list your prayer request, we may not be able to pray for every single person within the time we have left, but we will carry your prayers with us and we will pray for you and we will help you to align your hearts with God, your heart with God's heart. We I joyfully do that for you as we move into this season of hope. I want to share with you all that on next Wednesday. I look forward to having the author and and, and theologian D.L. Mayfield. She has an amazing book out called The Myth of the American Dream. And what she basically does is she assesses our what we call the American dream and the things how we would describe. She aligns that. I try she puts that, juxtaposes that with the teachings of Jesus and shows how out of order and dysfunctional that stuff is, and then tries to align our hearts with God's heart. So she'll be on with us. I've been trying to get her on for a while, but she'll be on. Then the following week, Emmanuel, I will, we will mention that. Pastor Yolanda, if you are prepared to mention Paul's book, and just when I, I, after I make this announcement, and then on December 9th, Pastor Emmanuel Cleaver out of Kansas City, he is the son of Congressman, longtime Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver. And he took over his dad's church, I think about a decade ago, and has done some amazing things. But he has written a book in the midst of this time. God led him to write a book about the how the Bible is just being abused by people for oppressive and destructive ends. And so he would let was led his his alignment, Ashley, was God wanted him to write a book to, that explains what's the purpose of the Bible and how the Bible is supposed to support the work of love and the work of liberation and the work of building community. And and so he'll be on the ninth. 
I would like for Pastor Paul and Ashley, if they can't, they can't, but I'm just letting the audience know that I'm, I'd like for them to come back on the 16th of December. That would be our last Ignite of the year. And uh, for us to maybe even do a two hour session where we spend time talking and discussing, but then we spend some time in sincere prayer and then maybe even spend some time talking about even as we pray some things that we believe God is dropping in our hearts for 2021. So, mm-hmm. Paul and Ashley, if you all would pray about that and you all can just let me know. And uh, Kyron, of course, I'd love for you to come back on with us that night too. Pastor Yolanda, you as well, if you can come back with us. Just if you all will pray about that and let me know, and uh, we'll look forward to that again. St. Mark, we want to discourage you from coming to the building on Sunday. Worship from home. You will still have an amazing worship experience. We're going to bring our hearts uh, aligned with God's heart. We're going to come before you and declare the word and worship Jermaine, our our worship leader, our minister music, Joseph. We're going to bring you worship, but you can stay safely at home and uh, enjoy and worship. Don't just enjoy, watch, but actually worship at home. And let's be safe during this very challenging and dangerous time. Pastor Yolanda, you were going to mention Paul's book, and we want to put the book up. We also want to put up his cash app handle. I want to put that up because I want to invite any of you all that would like to give a gift, give a gift of just of love and appreciation of Pastor Paul and Ashley. We want to give you that opportunity. So Pastor Yolanda, go ahead and go, and then I'll type in the cash app. So it is fresh out of my envelope. I just got it today. I haven't had the opportunity to dig into it. But if it is anything like the parables and the metaphors that you were using with us last week, all I can say is I shared with you once before that one of, I'd like to consider her a mentor, but we have a pastor here who does a sermon about fresh Jesus. And I think that's what you bring. You bring Jesus as I would expect him to be having a conversation with me today. And I think that is relative and people need to not see Jesus as this Jesus sandal wearing cloth like person from way back in the day, but to see Jesus in you and to see Jesus in me and just listening to you speak the opportunities. I want to pray about you and Pastor Johnson doing a TikTok together. I'd like to see that type of duet. I'll be praying about that to be his his TikTok kickoff, but seeing how you Paul are- look at Kyrie going, Paul, don't do it. Don't do it, Paul. Don't do it. Uh, maybe we'll both put on skinny jeans and, and do a dance on TikTok or something. <laughs> You're so inclusive. And in this time where we're so divided and everyone is looking for a reason for us to be apart and to separate watching you and watching you're including not just the young not just the old but the young and really relating to people right where they are and i appreciate the fact that you took the time to come back and to respond to every question on our site for that evening and just looking at the insight that you impart it's it is so encouraging you give me hope I thank God for you. I thank God for your wife. And I pray that he blesses you a hundredfold. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Thank and I, you. yeah, that book was, I've just always imagined, I watched how Jesus interacted with people and how he interacted with the religious system of his day. And so I just always had an imagination of how would, how would an incarnate Jesus today interact with the, the right wing evangelical 
predominantly white church. The subtitle of that book is When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. And so that's what came out of it was this story of what would happen if Jesus walked into this very conservative evangelical town what would he have to say and how would the disruption that he would cause then cause a transformation to happen in people and that people transformation to transform a city. And so I, I hope people get it. It came out really well. and I really love it. I'm excited about it. Thank and you for plugging it for me. I appreciate it. Your cash app is also in the comments. I want to reiterate what Pastor Johnson said that we need to um, be thankful for his presence. I thank God for the way that this relationship came about. Pastor Johnson, you are so innovative and I appreciate your courage to just reach out to people because I would have saw the video and appreciated what he was sharing, but I would have never had the courage to just reach out and expect him to come on. So thank you guys for being here with us for the last two weeks. You do have a few prayer requests in your comments. Yes. Um, and we'll try and go back and also add a few scriptures. That was one of the things that you had talked about, Pastor Johnson, scriptures that we are using during this time that bring us hope. And it's a phenomenal time for us to be in that thought of mind as we're moving into the Advent season. You said that in your introduction. I'm just, this is the first time in months that I had a high, a natural mm. high. Can I say that or are you going to drug test me on Monday, Pastor? No, no I'm going to. I get what you're saying. I know okay. what you're saying. I know. You'll help me with the saints. You'll help I'm me feeling with the, the same thing. Paul and Ashley have just been a, an outpouring of hope for me. I, I, I am I am just just clarity and hope. I'm excited. I'm excited about what God's going to do. And then Kyron just gave put some flesh and blood on some things that connected that. So I'm excited about what God's going to do for St. Mark and in the city of Wichita and and in this country. I really am. Paul talked about last week, Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you to give you hope and a future. And so I posted that as we I, I included that with the graphic for this week. And uh, I'm just standing there and standing in that. And and so as I thought, I'll just share what as I thought about my scripture for the one that just came for me was Psalm 23. Uh, that's a place of hope when the psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of, sh of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then this, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And of course, just a quick note, I used to always think that meant God was doing something for me against my enemies. But I heard a wonderful explanation from about that text from a pastor who said, no, the table means that's a place for both you and the enemy to be able to sit down and feast together. And I just love that. And so that's the scripture that came to me as I thought. But I don't want that, Pastor Johnson. I want my enemy to get crushed. Come on, God. You better than that. Crush my enemy. I know. Prove them wrong and prove that I was right all along. I'm not the only one that thinks that. Okay, good. And so that's my scripture. So you all feel free to share your scriptures. We roll up and out. And as you are sharing, I'll put up the prayer request. That was one that, and that's our finance leader, Vicki. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'll call her the storm. She knows why uh, that we're not afraid of the storm. We are the storm. Mm. Uh, but she says that we will align our hearts with God's heart. 
And mm-hmm. Santiago where it says a prayer that I can find the white right sweatpants <laughs> for tomorrow. That's a righteous prayer, Santiago. That is righteous. I love young adults. They just re- young adults refuse to let us take ourselves too seriously. Amen. Our ordinary stuff here. Philip Oliver says for family, health, and happiness. Thanks be to God. Brad Smith had something. Yeah, the, the St. Francis yes, ICU. Yes, he, he put, if y'all could please pray for us working in the COVID ICUs at St. Francis and Wesley Hospitals, our patients and their families. Brad, absolutely, sir. And we are so grateful that you tune in on Wednesdays and, mm-hmm. and uh, participate with us. Manuel Morella says it's a great book referring to Paul's book that will expand your relationship with God and with others. Curtis Kim just gave all of you guys a high five. And uh, Felicia Johnson, who's been one. Felicia, thank you. Felicia's working on her, finishing up her PhD Ooh. in counseling, psychology in Corpus Christi, Texas. And uh, oh. Felicia, we're praying for you. And uh, so proud of you. And, uh, and and thank you for taking time out of PhD work and all the stuff you got going on to participate in the broadcast. I want to give the final words. And Pastor Yolanda, you and I have given our words of hope, but I like just for start with Kyron and then Ashley and Paul for you all to give a final word of hope. And then Kyron, then at the end, will you please, will you close us out in prayer? Would you? Thank you. Yeah. So you said the, the hope scripture, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, I just, so, just the hope scripture, just whatever's in your heart, Kyron. Oh, Isaiah, Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear anything for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, and salvation. That's wow. the Amplified Bible message. Ha ha ha. But uh, no, I, I love that scripture because this was, I think they were been captured by Babylon. Everything was just wiped out. And in all the chaos that was going on, it was God saying, yeah, don't be dismayed. Don't look at, I know it looks crazy, but I've still got you. And I think throughout our human experience, we were always made to be in community. And even when I feel like society is pushing me out, when I can remember that I am firmly in the hand of God, my energy, my patience, everything back knowing that I am not alone. So that scripture means a lot to me. Amen. Beautiful scripture. Thank you, Kai. You want to go, Paul? Sure. Or do you want to go? I'm go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I think my word I, I don't have you know I think it's in First Kings three. As we're talking about praying this prayer of submission I've just been drawn this week to Solomon's prayer with God in his dream. And God says, what do you, what is it that you want, Solomon, as you're about to take over this position of authority? And Solomon says, I just need wisdom because I, I don't know what I'm doing. And he prays for wisdom and discernment. And what God tells him is because you didn't ask for your enemies to be crushed like I do or for victory or prosperity or all those other things, I'm going to give you what you asked for and all that other stuff. So I, I, I think the hope is as I submit myself to the will of God, he starts to say, good, now I can give you that other stuff. The other stuff you would have prayed for, I'll give that to you in a way that's really going to be profitable for you. Laying down our hopes and dreams and desires sometimes is exactly what it takes to get the prosperity and the comfort and the safety that we need rather than fighting for it ourselves. So just, Lord, give us wisdom and discernment to know what you're doing in the season so that our heart can align with yours. Amen. Amen.
Yeah, I think I would just close with a with a, a kind of an image, a word picture that represents a lot of what we've been praying for in our region of California and what we're believing for. And a long time ago, the Lord um, just showed us a picture of a dam that was holding back a huge body of water. And and so we've just been praying as we've come to understand our community. We've just imagined that dam was a picture of religion and politics joining together wow. and really blocking the move of the Holy Spirit, that free flow wow. of, of water. And, and we live just south of a dam. So it was easy wow. for us to, to use that imagery in our minds. And, you know, so we've been praying that the Lord would break religion and politics. And of course, we're seeing nationally what the combination of religion and politics looks like and the nastiness. It's really the same thing, just in different kind of spheres. But anyway, so in, in the last couple of years, we've just felt encouraged that the Lord is saying, who do you think I am? That my sons and daughters would pray and pray and I like I wouldn't hear them. Of course, I'm hearing. And in fact, you're praying my heart as a reminder, like it's his idea, not mine. And so he's really started to help us see that dam is bursting. It's structurally unsound and it's bursting. But what happens if you can imagine what it would be like for an actual dam to burst? Boy, there's like literally millions and millions of pounds of concrete and debris that would go flying as the force of that water comes out. And so I feel like we've just been in this season of like all the rocks are flying at us. And we're like, oh, no, the rocks. And the Lord's like, well, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, of course, there's going to be disruption. I'm changing things. I'm turning everything upside down. Yeah, you might want to duck every now and then. But I feel as believers, sometimes we're just like, oh, God, do you see that thing flying at me? And we get so afraid. And, and I just really want to encourage people that actually lean in. This is a time of disruption and transformation. You're not going to get to transformation. If you don't go through some disruption, if otherwise you would be saying status quo is okay. If you're like, no, it's not, then yeah, let's experience this season of disruption with the eyes of faith and, and a different view of who our God is that we serve. And times 10, all the things that you all have just shared, we know him to be that loving, unrelenting, pursuing father. And if that's who he is, He's not giving up on us. He is transforming our communities and our nation. And it's a little bit bumpy, but it's at his hand that smacked that dam and is allowing the stuff to break up. So oh, give my. that to you as encouragement. That is encouragement. That is a great word. That is because I've been the one that's been saying, oh, God, do you see all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I have. That's where I've been, Ashley. That is where I've been. But you can't have the disruption of divine flow without some crazy stuff happening and some crazy stuff yeah. flying your way. Yeah. So thank you for that reminder. I, I want to say this and then kind of pray. And John Roth and Paul, we mentioned him to you last week. We, we're thankful for him because he is a influencer here in the city. And that, so he's been tuned in to Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings as well. But he says, continue prayer for the nation at this time of leadership transition and pandemic around the world. Thank you all. Awesome conversation. Happy Thanksgiving, John Rolfe. The same to you, sir. And we're again honored that you tuned in. Felicia, thank you. Linda, thank you again for tuning in and, and being a part of the conversation. She's with my daughters who are here. We're so glad to have them in the house. And Giselle's boyfriend, he's here also. So we're doing uh, the family stuff here safely at home. God says, look, Yolanda's picking at me about the boyfriend, Kai, but that-, oh. that Kai started it. 
That's okay. God bless you all. Thanks for bringing such encouragement and hope. Happy Thanksgiving. But I do want to say to Yolanda and to Ashley and Paul and Kyron, I don't. I saw Paul's TikTok and was led by God just to reach out. I had no idea I'd get any response. I didn't. I just, I, I, right now, if I run into run across somebody anywhere, social media, a news or paper article, a, a magazine, and and they strike a chord with me, I try to get them. I try to connect to him. So I had no hope that Paul would respond. So when he responded, I was so excited. <laughs> but I, I want to say to the four of you all, to each of you, that I do believe that God's doing something amazing through you and through your voice. You all seem to, for me, and of course, I, I'm believing that's God's wisdom, that you all are seem to me to be the perfect voices for this season. Nash, particularly that particularly national on a national level, maybe even globally. So I pray God speed for each one of you. And I pray that you will continue to align your hearts with God's heart and hear the big thing and then courageously step into it. Cause I just believe God's got big things planned for you all. I got them. I have to show this. This is one of our prayer warriors, a, a lady that I have so much respect for Gloria Craven, such a saint and so bold Miss Gloria. We love you. And then Philip says that was no accident. That was meant to be. Yes, Paul. Let's Philip. I I definitely believe that. I believe that. I believe that I turned on TikTok. I don't even know how he got in my feed because I don't pick a feed. I just watch for 10 minutes, <laughs> go to sleep at night. But he was in my feed and I was like, who is this guy? So I do. I believe that, too. Thank you all so much. And you all, if you all, will, all of the four of you all will pray about coming on with me on the 16th and let's do a special two hour edition if possible. If we can only do an hour, then I'll take an hour, but I like the longer. So, Kyron, if you'll pray us out, and then we'll say good night to you all. Awesome. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, God, truly with our hearts full of hope, gratitude, and thankfulness, God, as we move into this holiday season. We thank you for your hand of mercy and compassion that has been over us. We thank you for the wisdom that you shared on this call here tonight. God, we thank you for the hearts of these, your servants, and each one of the hearts that they've been sent to touch, God. We ask, Lord, that as we depart on tonight, God, that your spirit will continue to minister to us and give us wisdom and grace and guidance, God, in new, innovative, and creative ways, Father. We pray, Lord, that we will all be people who will speak up and be true champions of the faith, God. And we pray, Lord, that our world will continue to change and embrace the idea of community over individualism, God. We pray, Lord, for the renewal of our cities, the renewal of our leadership, God, and the renewal and the recovery of our health and our health system, God. Cover each one of our workers, God, from top to bottom, Lord. Bless yeah. our children, bless our, our nurses, our doctors, our firefighters, God, all of our civil servants, Lord. We pray your entire being into every part of our existence, God. And lastly, God, equip us, Lord, so that we might bring heaven to earth as you intended, Father. Yes. So we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Good night to Paul and Ashley and Kyron and Yolanda. And good night to all of our guests. God bless you.